I'm going to say it now. Am I on? Yes. I'm going to say it now because um, Peter sort of asked me to just make sure everybody knows there's still food outside. Anyone who's not eaten, please avail yourself of that before you go home at the end. I know if I don't say it now, I'll forget and it won't get said. Can you hear me? Am I on? There you go. Is that better? You can hear me now. Yeah, I can hear me. I can hear me now. (laughs) Oh, praise God. Let's just pray. Father God, Lord, you are Father. Father, we don't relate to you as a book with words. We don't relate to you as as an image. We don't relate to you as a concept or as a set of ideas. We relate to you as a person, the person of God. And Lord, you've given us your Holy Spirit, the person of your Holy Spirit within us. And Jesus Christ, you came as a man, the person who died on the cross for us. And we come before you this morning and we relate to you as a person that we have a relationship with. I pray, Father, this morning, as we look at your word again this morning, as we think about these stories found in Matthew 13, I pray, Lord, that you will speak into our hearts, that you will, you will help us to stir up our soil so that we hear your word. And the word, the seed, the good seed is planted deep in our hearts, Lord. We ask this in your name. Amen. I just, I love that song that we had just a moment ago. I, I took a picture of the words because I was, I knew I wouldn't remember them when I came to try and say them. But um, that song that we sang just a second ago, Peace to You. And it, what do, it was that last part. It says, when the world wonders why, We just tell them we're loving our king. Oh, we will just tell them we're loving our king. We are here this morning because we love our king. Our king. And what I want to talk about this morning, and you've heard me mention this, I think I met the first time I mentioned living under the sovereignty of God was when I preached the sermon number one on these passages. And I'm again, I'm just struck as I go through this. I've been really challenged as I've been going through this about the reality of living under the sovereignty of God, living in the kingdom of God. And today we're going to continue. But as I was was looking through this before I came today, I asked myself a question. Why did Jesus tell these parables? And if you have a look in... There you go, it's there. If you have a look in these verses... Each of the verses at the beginning of the various different parables starts, the first one is slightly different. It starts with, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. But then verse 24 says, the kingdom of heaven is like a farmer. Verse 31 says, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. 31, the kingdom of heaven, sorry, 33, the kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used to make bread. Again, 44, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered. And again, the last 47, the kingdom of heaven is like a fishing net. The kingdom of heaven is like living under the sovereignty of God. Living under God's, in God's kingdom. These parables, Jesus was teaching about what his kingdom was like. And there's this one, one of the commentators says this. He says, the gospel of Matthew appears written to the Jews designed to prove that Jesus is the messianic king of Old Testament prophecy. 
Matthew quotes from almost every book in the Old Testament and 12 times he identifies Old Testament prophecies as fulfilled in the life of Jesus. Jesus was talking about his kingdom. Matthew was writing and saying, Jesus is the king. The king of the Jews, we read it. Our context, he's our king. And we've been thinking about and talking about and our preaching and everything that we've said, everything that's been shaped through this last year has been around this concept of Emmanuel, God with us. And as, as I've said before, and I think as, as John has said, and as we've thought about it, we thought, well, that's so simple. Emmanuel, it's such a simple thing. But what we've, what we've discovered as we've gone through is that God has spoken to us. I've been challenged by the sermons that we've preached this year. I felt God speaking into my life, challenging me, strengthening me. I mean, it's been a tough year. I don't know about any of you, but I've had a tough year one way and another. I dare say all of us have had issues and problems and stuff that we've had to deal with. And we've had to come to terms with living under the sovereignty of God, living in God's kingdom. And Emmanuel with us, God's promise. Oh yes, God, great, God's with us, wonderful, hallelujah, yeah, we can do anything. But it also means that the kingdom is with us. Living in the kingdom of God, living under the sovereignty. When we say Emmanuel, God with us, we're saying the king is with us, that we're living under his sovereignty and that we're living in his kingdom. And so, these words, these, these, each of this phrase, the kingdom of heaven is like, we need to know what the kingdom of heaven is like. And that's why I think God's put this on my heart to, to share with us, because as I've been studying this, I've been challenged. I've been challenged about how I share the gospel, through to I've been challenged about how close am I, how open am I, how excited am I, how passionate am I, how much am I willing to give of myself, where have I got to in life at the moment? What have they allowed to come between me and the Lord? What things are taking my focus? Those have been the challenges. It's not been an easy one to, 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 to prepare at that level. In preach one, in it we had an introduction and, and we asked, why parables? And I put this across, I said, because of God's grace, because of God's love. To win those who are seeking and to protect those who are not yet interested. We, and this is what I felt God saying to us, and this is the challenge that I received into my heart, and I want to share it with you. We should live our lives as parables. We should be living parables. What do I mean? I mean that our lives should be stories of God's grace, love and power used by the Holy Spirit to draw those who are seeking and to protect those who are not yet interested. We need to learn how to share the gospel. And I don't mean we need to go and study to learn. I just mean we need to open our hearts to God. We need to allow ourselves to become parables. That is, those who it isn't, it, they're not yet interested. If we start pushing too hard, and I said this last week, and I'll keep banging on about this until we start seeing people walk through the door who've never been to church in their lives and who've come to know Christ and had their lives changed and everything turned around. Those amongst us who we've known for years, our family, our friends, who we've been praying for and crying out to God for, I will keep banging on about this until they start walking in the door. Barry's preached about seeing the prodigal's return. 
a, a couple of years ago, I know that was very much, or was it last year, very much on, on Barry's heart. And that's what we want to see. We want to see the kingdom of God come. I do. We should always leave the door open. And we should never seek to win an argument. Trust me on that. It really isn't worth it. Because if we are parables, we do not seek to reveal everything all the time to absolutely everyone. We allow the Spirit of God to shape how and what and when. And that means we have to live a life of faith. We have to live a life of faith. Then we came on, and I'm not re-preaching Sermon 1, although you have sort of had a mini-sermon on it again. We had the sower. And the point I'm reason, the reason I'm going back, is because actually everything that I want to say this morning is built on the foundation of those earlier two sermons. And I believe that all of these parables in this chapter, they're linked. They are based upon the foundation of that first parable, the parable of the sower. And that is this one. The second preach was cultivating our hearts for a harvest. And we need to keep the soil of our hearts tilled, ready for God's seed to enter our hearts so that we can bear much fruit. And this week is the wheat and the tares. And I've titled it Sown into the World. I believe God is sowing us into the world. If you've got a Bible, turn to it. If you've got a Bible and you want to just put a marker in it and you can read it again at home later on, please do. If you've got a Bible on your phone, pull it up and then just turn the phone off so it sits there and you can go back to it. But turn to Matthew 13. 13, and we're going to be reading from 24 to 29, and then I'm going to skip forward to 37 to 43. I want to read the whole thing to us. Here is another story Jesus told. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But that night, as the workers slept, his enemy came and planted weeds amongst the wheat and then slipped away. When the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. The the farmer's workers went to him and said, Sir, the field where you planted the good seed is full of weeds. Where did that come from? An enemy has done this, the farmer exclaimed. "Should Should we pull out the weeds, they asked? No, he replied. You'll uproot the wheat if you do. 37 to 43. Jesus replied, The Son of Man is the farmer who plants the good seed. The field is the world, and the good seed represents the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people who belong to the evil one. The enemy who planted the weeds amongst the wheat is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the harvesters are the angels. Just as the weeds are sorted out and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the world. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will remove from his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do um, evil. And the angels will throw them into the fiery furnace where, they, that where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in their father's kingdom. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. 
Do you remember the challenge we had from the first preach? It was, are we cultivating our hearts? Are we listening? Do we have ears to hear? Have we prepared the soil? Are we serious about following? I believe that being part of God's kingdom is about heart and it's about hunger. Being part of God's kingdom is about having a heart for God, having our hearts changed. It's ploughing that soil, removing the stones and, 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 and the rocks that prevent us from putting roots down, dealing with those things that we hold so dear that are really not worth hanging on to, but they're underneath and they, they, they give us a, just a very shallow depth. And that's a challenge. That's a challenge. It's a challenge in this day and age because there's so much pressure for other things. So much pressure. And I'm talking about things that, that you know, work is such a big pressure. The expectancy of us giving our whole lives to work and work becomes the sole focus of what we do and then everything else comes second. Family is a difficult one. If your family in your heart is before God, God said, I need to be first. Challenge. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying being a Christian is easy. Being a Christian, being in the kingdom of God, following God, being under his leadership, under his Godship, is not always easy. It is challenging. But we have the Holy Spirit. We have the power of God. We don't just have a bit of God, we have God living in us by his Holy Spirit. That same power that raised Christ from the dead is at work in our lives. It's not easy, but we have everything we need for it. We have everything we need for it. Here's some points that we can draw. Hang on, where are we? Did I not? Let's move on one more. There you go. Some points that we can draw on. These, these, these three verses really sum up the whole of this this parable. And we see there it says, Jesus replied, the son of man is the farmer who plants the good seed. The field is the word. The good seed represents the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people who belong to the evil one. The enemy who planted the weeds amongst the wheat is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world. And the harvesters are the angels. Sums up the whole of that parable. The sower The son of man is the sower, the one who planted. This is the same one who planted seed in parable one. Note there is a difference. God planted his word. The seed in parable one was his word. Where did he plant it? He planted it in the soil, and the soil is us. It's our hearts. It's our lives. Parable one, God planted his good seed into our lives. The seed. The seed is good. Let me say that again. The seed is good. Do you get the implication of that? What is the seed? This time, it's you and me. The first time he talks about the seed and he talks about planting the good seed, it's easy for us to say, yes, the seed is good because it's the word of God. That good seed has been planted into us, into you and me. 
when we have opened our lives to him. When what John said this morning leading into communion about, you know, don't take communion unless you've given your life to Jesus, unless you've invited him in, unless you've given him full control over your life. That is the soil in which the good seed is planted. The good seed is us. If we cultivate our hearts to receive the good seed, we become good seed. You and I, those of us who love God, we're good seed. We are good seed. It's easy to say that the word of God is good seed. Sometimes I know me and I question it. But it's about having my heart right. The first parable is the foundation. The first parable says that we prepare our lives. We root things up. We get rid of those things. We deal with it. We have our, 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 our hearts cultivated so that that good seed can be poured on us. Ephesians. Ephesians 2.10 says this, We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he has planned for us long ago. Let me say it again. We are God's masterpiece. You and me. And yes, God knows everything about you and me. The things I don't want you to know about me the things I don't even want Sharon to know about me, the thoughts that I don't want anybody ever to find out that I have thought, God knows about those. And yet, I am still God's masterpiece. And so are you. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things planned for us long ago. John 15. And I love this. When I saw this, the word when is highlighted for a reason. I love this. When I saw this, it made my heart jump. If we remain, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. Okay, that's brilliant, but that's not the bit. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. Not if you produce much fruit. When you produce much fruit. If the good seed is sown into our hearts and we are allowing God to challenge us and we are preparing that soil, it will bear fruit because it will bear fruit 30, 60 and 100 fold. That good seed... When you plant good seed into good soil, 99 times out of 100, it turns into something. I say that because we don't live in a perfect world. But if the seed is good, if the soil is good, God has ordained that the seed will grow and produce a crop. That's the same for you and me. God's word sown into you, God's good word sown into my heart, produces a good crop in me. And here's a beautiful, beautiful verse from Isaiah 43. Do not be afraid, I am with you. I will gather you and your children from the east and the west. Yes, 
God will bring back the prodigals. And I believe he's already done that in some cases as well. And we continue to trust him for it. I will say to the north and the south, bring my sons and my daughters back to Israel from the distant corners of the earth. And then it says this, bring all who claim me as their God, for I have made them for my glory. I am made for the glory of God because he has made himself known to me, has given me a heart of flesh that can respond to him by the power and the work of his grace and Holy Spirit in my life. And I now am for his glory. It was I who created them, he says. This is our destiny, the field. The field is the world. The field is the world. The field is my family. The field is my workplace. The field is my neighbourhood. The field is Harlow. The field is the shop next door when I go and buy the milk for the coffee connect in the morning. The field is the people I bump into. The field is the people that I do or don't get frustrated with when they park in front of the entrance and I have to ask them to move and I can't find them and I have no idea where to go. And that thing starts to boil up in me and then I just ask God for his grace and peace. That's the field. We are sown into that field. God with us, Emmanuel, that theme that we've had all year is is about carrying God with us into every single situation. The field is wherever I am. If we cultivate our hearts to receive the good seed, we are sown back into the world as good seed to bear much fruit. I repeat it again. Church, let's get that. Let's get, let's get that. I want that to stir my soul. I want that to drive me. And that brings me back to the beginning, that thing that I said. By living our lives as parables, that is by pursuing God and living out our lives as stories of God's grace, love and power, and by allowing the Holy Spirit in us to draw those to us who are seeking and to protect those who are not interested yet. It's a walk of faith. Faith faith that God will be true. If I'm honest, these last weeks and months with Sharon's mum and dad, that situation has taken faith. And I haven't always got it right. I'll be honest about it. But in the midst of it, I know God's presence. I get grumpy, I get stressed. I've got this cough, I've been told that's because of stress. I don't want to be in that place. I want to to be so full of faith and peace and grace that that's not happening. But I live in the real world. But in my heart, I know that God is true to his word. In my heart, I know that God is good all the time. Easy to say, hard to live out. And I know that God is in control. I learn to live under the sovereignty of God because God is with me. God has sown his good seed into our lives. Do we believe that? Do we truly believe that? I want to challenge you. If you've got any doubts in your heart, go back, search scripture, see the truth because he has sown his good seed. All we have to do is plough it into our hearts, allow God to change us, pursue him, 
clear the soil, put down deep roots, and put God first. And the reasons are because of the tears and the enemy. But that night as the workers slept, the enemy came and planted weeds amongst the wheat and then slipped away. And then 1338, the field is the world. The good seed represents the people of the kingdom and the weeds are the people who belong to the evil one. Tares. Interesting, the tares here are something called bearded darnel. It sounds really cool, doesn't it? Bearded darnel. <laughs> I'm assuming it's got, it's got a, a bit at the top with bits sticking out of it or something. But it's also, it's, let me, let me, let me look, look, I'm either going to look really stupid or really brilliant and, and, and wise at the moment. It's called, uh, lolium temulentum, I think, is the uh, Latin word for it. I could be wrong. It's a type of rye grass and the seeds are a strong soporific poison. So if you eat them, they can be quite sort of hallucinogenic and they, you know, they, it, life can get interesting. Um, it bears a very close resemblance to wheat right up until the ears appear. So it's very difficult to tell the two apart. But then, then the dis- difference is, is seen. And actually back in the day, and they would have known this when Jesus spoke of this and told this parable, they would have known that there are times when they had to wait until leading up to harvest to be able to work out what was what and then get rid of these dangerous things, these dangerous seeds, and, and keep the wheat so the tear, the tears are, well, they're the people that, you know, aren't following. They are the, the people who belong to the evil one. And then we have the enemy. The enemy, which is the next one. And you'll look, the first verse, virtually the same up there, just mentions his enemy. But in, in verse 39 it says, The enemy who planted the weeds amongst the weeds is the devil. See, the truth is, there is a heaven and there is a hell. The truth is there is Satan and there is God. The problem is we're very good in our society to argue that away. For goodness sake, we celebrate it. We have fun with it, don't we? As a, as a society, Halloween is celebrated. It's, it's a fun time. Let's go and do dangerous things. Let's go around, let's go around people's houses and ask them for, 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 for sweets and that. And yet we spend our whole lives telling kids not to go and ask strangers for sweets. And then on one night of the year we do it. Yeah, I know the parents go around with them now. But still, it's, it's celebrating something that what it's done, it's made it unreal. Oh, it's just, it's just a plastic face with some horns on, painted red. You know, oh, it's just a face mask with red blood painted on it. But actually, there is a heaven and there is a hell, and we need to recognize that. Not to scare people into the kingdom, because if we do that, that's just as good as, or as bad as arguing. If you can argue somebody into the kingdom, you can, they can argue back out again. If you scare somebody into the kingdom, they can be scared back out again, or they can just come to an understanding and think it doesn't matter anymore. No, we need to know, we need to allow, we need to let the Holy Spirit do the work. Because it's the only way it becomes lasting. And even then, that's between God and the person. The enemy is the devil. But also we're in a battle. God with us, Emmanuel. Living in the kingdom. Living in the kingdom of God. Living by faith. Living differently. I want to read you a story that you will probably know well. It's found in the Old Testament and it's actually found in, um, in Daniel. It's Daniel 3.14-18 and 
I just want to read it to you. Daniel, uh, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego have refused to bow down to Daniel or to uh, Nebuchadnezzar's big statue. And there'll be a lot of you who know this story really well. But let's just listen to it again. I, it's, but it's the end which just strikes me as the reality of what our Christian life has to be sometimes. We're in a battle. Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the golden statue I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue that I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, I want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the golden statue that you have set up. <laughs> I love the way they showed deference to the king while they were saying, no, sorry mate, not doing no dice. We do live in a real battle. It is a real battle. But, Ephesians 6.12 says we're not fighting against flesh and blood but against the rulers and the authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in these dark world and against the, the spirits in the heavenly realms. But then look at that lovely verse following it. Isaiah 41.10 Don't be afraid. I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you. This is one of my favourite verses. This is one that God has used time and time again with me. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. God will lay his strongest arm. If God could have a strongest arm, he will lay his strongest arm upon you to protect you. That is the promise. And then finally, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Yes, we're in a battle. That is true. Yes, we've been sown into a world where there is a battle, where Satan is trying to destroy the good work that God is wanting to do in saving the lives of, of, of his creation. And actually we're on the winning side. But we're living in God's kingdom. We live under his sovereignty. We have to wait. Faith that knows God understands the heart and nature of God. It acts upon the knowledge, upon this knowledge, the heart and nature of God, in the face of the inevitable, what can be seen at times. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear we will never serve other gods. The good seed sown into us so that we can sow the good seed into the world. The last part, the harvest and the reapers, I'm not going to, there's a section, I'm going to read that, but that last part there, there's, there's many discussions we could have on this. There's a lot more that we could pull out from this, but in the context of what I felt God putting in my heart and the context of where we've been, what I felt this last passage where it's talking about the harvest and the reapers, 
I thought, I just felt God saying to me very clearly, God's in control. It speaks of God not being taken by surprise. Yes, leave it there, it's fine. I'm on it, don't worry. It's okay, it's all good. We'll sort it out. And I believe that's what I feel God is just saying to us. God steps into our situations. The thing to remember is the harvest is not about us. We're the seed sown into the world by God. The harvest is about God's plan for salvation. And he is still in control. Does that mean we shrug our shoulders and say, oh well, not up to me then, it's all God. It's all right, I'll just leave God to do it. I'll just sort of sit here. No. Absolutely, emphatically, absolutely not. Because we should live our lives as parables. We should be that story that people can see. That story where the truths to those who are seeking can be pursued. But for those who are not yet ready, we don't make them harder. We don't make it more difficult. We'll leave the door open and we never seek to win an argument. Let me just play you this wonderful video of this beautiful old lady. Just listen to her for a minute and then I've just got one more thing I want to say. Those who have sinned a lot love a lot and I love them very much. He's forgiven me and there's forgiveness for everyone who believes that he is the Son of God who died and rose again. Life is real. Life is earnest. And the grave is not the goal. Thus thou art to dust returnest. Was not spoken of the soul. Let us then be up and doing with a heart for anything. Still achieving. Still pursuing. Learning to labor and to wait and the waiting is so difficult <laughs> I love that the waiting is so difficult but it's what God's called us to and he is sowing you and me into the world and we are good seed and God has a plan if you've never given your life to the Lord if you've never said to the Lord I give it all to you I just let it go. I want you to be number one. I want you to be first. I want you to be the most important thing in my life. I will put you first and I will trust that everything else in my life will fall into place because you are number one. Just talk to me. Talk to John. Talk to Barry. Talk to anyone from the worship team. Talk to Pete. You know, just talk to somebody and just pray with them and ask God into your life. Do it. It's all you need to do. It's as simple as that. I tell you, it will change your life if you do it honestly and you do it openly and you ask God in and you do that. It will change your life. And I cannot promise your life will get easier. What I can promise is that God will be with you. God will be in control. All things will be under his authority in your life. And he will take you through. He will give you everything you need for whatever the world throws at you. And I know it doesn't always feel that way, but actually with hindsight I can see it's true. God has never let me down. I want to invite you to make that choice today. Sort it in your mind. I'm not going to ask anybody to put hands up, that's not what I'm here for, but I am going to ask you to find somebody afterwards. Talk to them, 
say, will you pray with me? Because we'd love to pray for you. We'd love to pray with you. Lord bless you.